0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, let's check on this week's political agenda. Martin Niles is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin, a special welcome back to 2020.
1: G'day, Neil. Good to be back.
0: Martin, let's start with a bit of good news today because on this program uh, we've monitored some of the developments that have been happening in WA so far as their Christmas nativity event goes but there's some good news as the Perth Lord Mayor has led the charge to reinstate the nativity event. What's happened?
1: Well, this is a, a bright spot for the residents of Perth and Greater Perth, I think. Um, there's a newly elected Lord Mayor in Perth called Basil Palace. Um, and he was put in after there was some scandal and whatnot uh, in relation to the council there. And they ended up appointing commissioners. I think the state government did as a temporary thing, uh, awaiting a new election for a new mayor. While those commissioners were in place, they cancelled the Christmas nativity event, uh, which takes place in the Perth city, um, because they said it was, it, it was. Uh, I think there was several things said about lack of diversity and could be offensive to some minorities and all this kind of peace. Claptrap. And that was a very, very popular event. It was an event that had been going on for many, many years. Uh, And so we just decided, look, that's not good enough. It's not a good enough reason. We can't have Christmas celebrations and public celebrations of Christmas in particular uh, starting to be curtailed on these grounds. So uh, ACL fired up a campaign. There's actually not many residents in the city of Perth. It's it's primarily a business and commercial zone. But we managed to get a couple thousand people to write in. And um, there was uh, success. Basil Simpalis was uh, elected mayor. And he said, yep, no worries. We'll put that nativity event back on. Uh, And it's official on December the 13th. will be
0: back on a victory for good old-fashioned people power when uh, people do respond uh, with various things like petitions and uh, getting involved sending emails those things work don't they martin
1: Uh, well surprisingly they absolutely do (laughs) when politicians hear from their actual constituents, it has an impact. Now, we don't always win. You know, sometimes politicians are stubborn or they have other reasons for doing what they do. But, look, actually, it really is powerful and often it does yield success. And I think if people don't stand up for what's right uh, and don't stand up on these sorts of things, we'll never know. And so my thanks to everybody who participated in that campaign over in the city of Perth. Uh, And I'm just glad that ACL's got supporters everywhere and we can fire them up at a moment's notice.
0: (laughs) Let's move on. The Australian is reporting that faith leaders are urging the Prime Minister to put religious freedom back on the parliamentary agenda. What's the latest here? Well, this is,
1: I'm really glad this has happened. So an article ran in the Australian... number of faith leaders have done a great thing by speaking up at this point now that the pandemic situation is passing uh and we're now focusing on other issues and i think we're all anticipating that in the new year uh, a lot of uh, focus will be on economic recovery but also other policy initiatives it won't be uh so consumed by coronavirus you know presuming everything continues to go well as it has and so archbishop peter Commonsoli who is the Catholic Archbishop of Melbourne, Uh, Archbishop Glenn Davies, the Anglican Archbishop of Sydney, Uh, some Islamic leaders, other faith leaders have come together and said, look, uh, the government needs to uh, pick up its unfinished business. Uh, The last federal election in 2019... Morrison government promised faith communities that there would be legislation around religious freedoms. That has not happened. We're looking at another election in less than a year from now, everybody thinks. And so, if next year is not marked by some significant discussions around this issue, which was pushed off into the long grass due to coronavirus, and I completely understand that, I'm not actually having a go, you know, I completely understand that, but it has to come back on the agenda. And I think, particularly, uh, Neil, It has to come back on the agenda because of some of the developments we're seeing around the country. Uh, Even whilst coronavirus is on, you still see, for example, the Victorian government putting a bill forward that literally lists prayer as a potential criminal offence. Now, that's just unthinkable in a modern Australia, you know, where we're a country of liberal freedoms. Um, It's just unthinkable. And so you sit there and you go, look, we need a religious freedom law to make sure this sort of stuff doesn't happen. And also, you know, uh, there's people, my old boss at the moment is being sued by some drag queens because he did a blog post objecting to drag queen story time. And I sit back and go, well, see, that shouldn't happen either. And so, you know, not only are we looking at... um, asking the government to reignite this religious freedom discussion and Attorney General Christian Porter has said that they may, which is nice, Uh, but we are asking them to revisit some of the latest developments to say, well, uh, what are the actual cases on the ground? What are the actual laws being passed by the states? And how can we ensure that religious freedom is not eroded uh, in these new ways that are coming to the surface, even during the COVID pandemic?
0: What we're seeing, Martin, is this idea of overreach. I remember not that long ago there was even some thought that if the government does delay bringing to the parliament these ideas around religious freedom, that that might not be such a bad thing because there's this presumption that we have a religious freedom and then making legislation actually can open up all sorts of bad things. But when we're seeing all of this overreach that's happening, it clearly means that the government does need to bring this back to the table and start to uh, to grapple with it.
1: I think that's right. I mean, the more we see activists weaponizing the law or getting into state governments and passing new laws that are just unreasonable, you know, just completely unreasonable. I think the more people see that freedoms are fragile uh, and the concerns we had a year ago uh, absolutely hold today. Um, I, uh, I I think you know in the next few months or so, ACL is going to be releasing a number of stories uh, of ordinary Australians who have been sacked from jobs, who have had tenures with universities cancelled, who have faced, who have been stalked in the street, you know, who have had all sorts of been pursued uh, with, with lawsuits for doing nothing wrong, for simply being Christians at university or being Christians in their profession and they've actually uh suffered significantly you know everybody knows about israel folau uh but these are the people that aren't famous and, and frankly have done far less than israel folau did and those stories are not well known and whenever we go and talk to politicians they say where are the cases where are the cases now i think they're a bit disingenuous on the whole in saying that they just want to fob us off but uh what we're going to do is make sure they can't say that and we're going to say here are some stories of the kind of overreach you're talking about and where activists have come for this person and had them fired from their job simply because they posted their opinion on the company intranet uh, forum uh, about, you know, gender. Uh, And they did it in a perfectly reasonable way and they got sacked for it. This is overreach. And those instances of overreach, the more they come forward, the more I think of a solid case we have to say to the government, this is essential, get it back on the agenda we are hopeful it is unfinished business that it was an election commitment and I think uh, you know I'm hopeful that Scott Morrison uh, is a man of goodwill in that respect I think he is uh, and so we should see discussions resurfacing next year
0: and of course as overreach becomes the norm you have the beginnings of what we'd even give that terminology Christian persecution and that's what we'd want to avoid Uh, Martin, there's big things happening in states and territories all around Australia. Let's give a little attention to one big development in South Australia where a radical abortion bill has passed the South Australian upper house. What are your thoughts about what's happened there?
1: Yeah, this is, uh, you know, the way the nation's been going for a while. Uh, Most people who are in tune with this issue will know that uh, all the eastern states in Australia, firstly Victoria, then Queensland, then New South Wales, Uh, have recently, or in recent years, legislated abortion right up until the point of birth. So uh, these states now have legal abortion uh, right up until late term, viable children, children that can feel pain, uh, right up to the point of birth. It's very tragic. Uh, it's quite a barbaric set of laws, um, and uh, you know it's, it's one of those things we've been very hopeful we can turn around uh, in the medium term over the next few years as we sort of start to appeal to more reasonable heads, uh, particularly, interestingly, younger politicians, uh, as in the case of younger people generally, tend to be more pro-life, uh, and we think we can appeal to them on the basis that late-term abortions in particular are so cruel. And so inhumane and also so immoral from the point of view that this is a living, viable human life. You know, we don't take lives on this ground. We're very hopeful we can have those rational discussions uh, in the future. But at the moment, uh, the momentum is still against us. Uh, South Australia have jumped on the bandwagon as well. And abortion in South Australia is already legal up to 28 weeks but uh, the uh, Attorney General down there, Vicky Chapman, uh, wants to make it uh, abortion to birth, and uh, it has passed the upper house uh, 12 votes to nine. It was introduced in the upper house. The, the real low point actually was that an amendment was put up by Dennis Hood, uh, one of the um, one of the members of the upper house down there, to make it illegal to abort a baby simply on the basis of its gender. Uh, we know this is a huge problem. You know, there's a campaign out there called Missing Girls and this kind of stuff where, where baby girls are aborted, particularly in certain cultures, um, at, a, at a very high rate compared to boys. And so we said, well, you know, that's, uh, surely every feminist would be uh, concerned about that. And surely uh, every right-thinking person would think that that's no good for women and that's also just, just wrong. And so a gender selection amendment was put up to try and make it illegal at least to kill a child simply because it's a girl and the amendment was defeated um 11 votes to 10. So that was the low point in the debate really but I guess unsurprising in this day and age but here's the good news. The good news is that all of those amendments and that discussion is now going to pave the way for the deb- for the discussion and the debate in the lower house when the law gets to the lower house. Uh, ACL is running quite a solid campaign uh uh, point, targeting key people in the lower house who are what we would think of as swing votes could go either way um, and we have had thousands of ACL supporters and I want to say thank you to them who have actually responded to our calls to action and have called up um, all been patched through by one of our volunteers on the phone uh, to speak to the office of their local MP and to say, look, this is this is uh, inappropriate and so forth. So I'm very very grateful to the many many people who have responded to that call of action. The campaign is ongoing, um, and we expect really the vote to happen think, in February next year, shortly after the uh, Walk for Life, which will be held in the Adelaide CBD in early February. So, uh, you know, much water to continue to go under the bridge. Sadly, it's against this, although I have long-term optimism on this abortion issue. And, uh, and also, we could win it in the lower house in South Australia. It's a distinct possibility that we don't give up.
0: Is there special action that you'd like listeners to take in South Australia? Because there's just something heart-wrenching that captured my imagination in the detail of what's happening in South Australia. Because when you have these late-term abortions, uh, usually, as I understand it, what happens is there's an inducing of labour. And the baby then is expected during the abortion to be stillborn. And in yeah. that instance that the baby is still alive, uh, they wrap the baby in a blanket and they give the baby to the mother and uh, the baby dies in the mother's arms. And, uh, and so this, uh, this is just, you know, it's awful heart-wrenching uh, to think of this. But when we, uh, we talk about those things that are happening, I mean, people who are parents... Uh, or grandparents appreciate the value of little babies what would parents do people who are concerned about this not just professional campaigners here what would you like parents to do in the south australian situation martin
1: i would suggest one of the most um, important things you could do is put in a phone call to the office of your local MP, your member of the lower house in South Australia, and just let them know. um, Maybe that you are a parent, you know, tell your story a little bit, say, look, I'm a parent, I'm concerned about children, uh, and and make that point. And if it's your local MP, people get very nervous about doing this, particularly on controversial issues. And I wanna reassure and encourage people, your local MP is not gonna have a fight with you. (laughs) You're you're a voter. (laughs) You're somebody who votes for them. They care about your vote, they care about your view, They care about your opinion Uh, and they also care about what you would say if they treated you badly to others Uh, and so they're going to receive your call uh, very cordially and they'll be very gracious and they will hear you out uh, it'll probably be a staff member in the office. But what that person will then do is that they will log your call uh, in a register that they have. They will note your, your your details and they will tell the member. And if the member is receiving lots and lots and lots of phone calls on this, that is a very, very powerful thing. So I'd say don't just do it yourself and you will get a friendly reception, I assure you, uh, and it will, doesn't need to be eloquent. It doesn't need to be articulate. It just needs to express your view. Uh, And then you need to uh, also tell your friends and family to do exactly the same thing. Uh, And the more phone calls they receive between now and the vote, which we think will be in February, we hope we have that time, um, you know, the more phone calls they receive, that is the single most powerful thing I believe constituents can do at this time
0: before i let you go martin uh, there's just one more issue just to touch on and perhaps we do this briefly but not to uh, underestimate the importance but tasmania is taking some big steps towards legalizing euthanasia and the the premier in tasmania has announced that he's going to support it Uh, just quickly what are your thoughts here
1: Yes, that's a real shame. You know, once the Premier throws his hat in the ring, uh, that means that it becomes very challenging for us. I, I would say the same thing in Tasmania, which is namely that people who live there can call their lower house uh, MP or MPs. I think there's a hair clerk system down there um, and speak to them about um, about the issue. And again, you'll get a friendly reception. Uh, again, you'll be heard, you don't need to be articulate. But uh, I would say do that because it's the right thing to do, because it's important. I think silence is a real problem we have as Christians in the community, and the more often we speak up, the more often, the more we'll start to get taken more seriously. And so I would say, look, don't hold your breath, pray. The premier support is a big problem, uh, but also pray and act, and, and we wait and see where that's going to end.
0: Well, Martin Isles, always so valuable getting your update and uh, setting us on an understanding of things that are going on today and through the coming week as we check the week's political agenda. And I'll point people to the ACL website, Australian Christian Lobby. Martin Isles is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. It's acl.org.au, and there'll be articles and there'll be uh, podcasts and all sorts of good resource that you can become aware of the things that are going on and developing here in Australia things that you're not hearing in the mainstream media these things going on uh, sometimes uh, behind the scenes and and below uh, the uh, the surface so acl.org.au martin Iles thank you so much for one for the update once again today on 2020. thank you Neil always a pleasure